Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my co-host and editor, Rex. Hello there. We meet once again. See, I was just saying that you have low energy, <laughs> and here I went in, I was, I started, hello, every, like, very mellow, and I was like, let's do it! Welcome, <laughs> everybody, back! And I was so energetic, and you're like, hello, everybody. It's <laughs> Oh, yeah. these things, you know, they happen. They happen. Yes, <laughs> yes, quite. So we are back for the third episode this month. Man, mm. we, we're, we're, on uh, a roll. we're on a roll. We're like kicking serious butt here. Mm. Like crossing names off the list. Left and right. Mm. Yeah, it's like. I don't know if I'll ever be able to podcast again after this month because, like, I've done so much. I've got a lot of editing. <laughs> you do, you do, and I, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to have a conversation after this month and be like, okay, so we did this amount of content. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling? And see if we can like reassess how to, how to do this <laughs> because now we'll know what it's like to be weekly mm. for. A temporary amount of time. So let's go ahead and jump into talking about, uh, you know, we always talk about the most uh, recent tokusatsu we've watched. Just kind of an update and where we're at. Maybe talk a little news, a little exciting stuff. There is uh, Mm -hmm. uh, some some exciting news. Um, I don't think there's really anything, though, that... Nothing major. Yeah, I I don't... I know we covered a bit in Snake Girl, um, yeah, which is all the exciting criterion. stuff. Criterion mm. and Shin Ultraman and uh, whatnot. So I've, I can yeah. only think of one thing that's new for me. But um, mm. before we get into that, Rex, did you watch any new tokusatsu since we last recorded? Yes, I did actually. Uh, I watched Sadako vs. Kayako, the 2016 uh, crossover film. <laughs> Which was an experience. Um, not too bad, actually, but um, just it, it really doesn't give you the title fight it promises. As it, it's really just not not as good as you'd hope. It's it's over too quick. I see. But pretty fun movie overall. I still can't tell if it was trying to be a comedy or not. <laughs> <laughs> most horror movies like in the modern era I'm trying to uh, figure out if they're trying to be a comedy or not yeah but here's the thing the film plays pretty much everything straight um but then there's the there's there are these two kills in the film that are absolutely ridiculous looking and then there's these two two really funny psychic characters as well that just tonally clash with how straight everything else is, but it's really fun otherwise. Um, just with the, the whole Sadako versus Kayako was uh, it better delivered on that promise, but, you know, these things hmm. happen. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I watched Ring Zero. Um, okay. Which I'm a bit more... I'm, I'm mixed on both, but Ring Zero was less entertaining it kind of just i don't know it was kind of just carry but not as good (laughs) 
I've yet to see Carrie. I've seen Ring Zero, so I'm gonna mm. have to see what. Uh, I, I don't understand that comparison as well, but I, I mm-hmm. should check out Carrie. Yeah, it, it's not it's not too bad. Um, I I probably like it more on rewatch, given I kind of watched it slightly disjointed, where I watched the first half, uh, then something came up, and then waited like half a day to to watch the rest. So does have that kind of going against it but for what it is it's okay i suppose just yeah not something i'd actively want to rewatch again even though i think i inevitably will in f in reference to ring zero right yeah gotcha gotcha yeah mm. sadako versus kayako i'd definitely rewatch though <laughs> fair enough what mm. else You've been listening. I can tell you've been watching a lot of J horror. Prob- is it because it's October? Uh, partly yes, and also I just want to get more into the genre in general. I mean, I've been pretty much every film I've watched this month so far has been horror because I watched because uh, I also watched uh, a show movie called Deadstream, the new Hellraiser, and Werewolf by Night. Um, okay. So I know we're kaiju and toku. How was Werewolf by Night? I need to know. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> I want to watch it. Like I, I, I'm, I'm determined to find a moment where I can sit down and watch that because it looks interesting. And it's got Man Thing, and Man Thing's one of my yes. favorite Marvel characters. There's even a little. I don't. I think they CG'd over it, but they actually made a practical Man Thing, which is pretty I cool. I saw. I saw. And it's directed by uh, Michael Michael Giacchino. Yeah, who uh, did the score for Cloverfield and directed the short uh, comedy uh, movie uh, Mon- uh, Monster Challenge. Wasn't that Something it? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't remember the With, name. With uh, Patton Oswalt in Japan. Um, he's also said to be – he has proclaimed that he's a huge fan of like Ultraman and Godzilla. So. Mm-hmm. That's really cool to see him do that. He also did the music for the Jurassic World movies. Mm. So, yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been interested to see how it uh, turned out. And yeah, it was pretty good. Um, probably the best Marvel um, film or project this year that I've seen. Um, gotcha. Bear in mind, I haven't watched any of the TV shows because I, frankly, don't care enough. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be all updated on the MCU, and like after uh, COVID hit, I've still yet to see Black Widow. I've watched only half of WandaVision, didn't see Shang-Chi. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw The Eternals. I saw the Spider-Man movie. Um, I've yet to see Thor. Uh, I haven't watched any other Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I need mm. to. I'm very far behind. Part I, and like I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm not interested in that stuff anymore. Yeah, for me, I'm just like sort of casually watching these things. Werewolf by Night was the only one that like legitimately had me interested. Granted, Doctor Strange did have at least Sam Raimi, um, and the Bruce Campbell cameo uh, did motivate me to see it as well. I will say. <laughs> I did like Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. I thought oh, that was right. I I liked how it felt different. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I appreciated the little ring nod 
mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Wanda had, and I liked I lo- the murders in that. I love the murders in that movie. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. so really weird. by night is okay. also gets a for an MCU film. It gets decently violent. I'll say that. Hmm. Although it's mostly reserved for the last like 10, 15 minutes. Gotcha, gotcha. But I, I loved uh I love John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic's head popping. <laughs> I don't maybe maybe I'm turning into a psycho. But like I was just like I mean that's- I've seen martyrs, so to me it's like this is tame. <laughs> yeah. You you would not be able to handle martyrs, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I could. Maybe I could. Yeah, sure. Look, man, I I have yet to venture too much into the gore area of yeah. film. Yeah, here's the thing. Martyrs is like pretty much like the gateway extreme horror. <laughs> More so than guinea pigs? I mean, yeah, more people know about martyrs and have watched martyrs than guinea pigs, so yeah. Okay, but still, guinea pigs, I've heard, is, like, top tier. Oh, I've heard that's very gory, but I'm still yet to see it. I've thought about buying it, but I'm also mm-hmm. like, ooh, haha, mm. that that's, that's venturing into an area of Japanese cinema I don't know if I really want to go to. Oh, why like, not? <laughs> well, like, I don't want to go into the Roman porno films. Uh. Even though, like, Shutsuke Kaneko's got, like, a solid resume of <laughs> film. Yeah, solid resume. <laughs> and, like, uh, Tomoko Ai has, like, a solid resume of, like, Toei Roman pornos. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could, like, learn so much more. I'm sure there's some uh, Kumi Mizuno. Uh, films out uh, there definitely the oh, what's her name and from ultra seven she was in godzilla vs gigan as well um, okay yeah from what i understand she has a bit of a career there as well so but like i don't know like i don't want to go into that that's like that in like body torture porn like i don't know i don't know if i want to go there yet i'm liking my my genre like sci-fi horror and fantasy right now mm-hmm. but <laughs> i guess i guess maybe one day you know i was originally just godzilla and kaiju and then it was like ooh, let's go into like henshin and like these like superheroes and supernatural stuff and then i went into j horror and then i went mm-hmm. into like whatever i'm in now and like i just keep going yeah i know that feeling it's a rabbit hole man it's a rabbit hole but we got really off topic there uh Mm. have you watched any other uh tokusatsu besides the stuff you've mentioned Mm -hmm. well there is a one notable films i suppose there is our episode's title matango spoiler alert oh you spoiled it (laughs) no we were supposed to keep it a surprise rex Tragic, I know. I'm so we sorry. We were supposed I'm to so keep sorry. it a surprise. I'm Why? so sorry. I know the audience would have never pieced uh Yes. The, never you know, pieced together the puzzles. It's our bit. We keep mm-hmm. it a surprise until we start talking about it. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I this is God. absolute tragedy. 
so um there is one thing i uh did get going over the last week i got tickets to go see godzilla against mecha godzilla in theaters on godzilla day so i'm gonna see another godzilla movie in theaters this will make the okay so this will be the fifth film this year i've seen in theaters Mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising I didn't expect that I would see five five Godzilla movies in theaters this year. And considering and I'm here at one. Yeah. And considering I've also seen Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Shin Godzilla, 2014 King of the Monsters, and GVK, I've seen 10 of the 37 Godzilla movies. So I've almost seen a third of the franchise in theaters. I'm at a grand total of four. Well, weren't you special? So I'm excited for that. I uh, I was hanging out with my best friend at the time. He was taking a shower. And with you? No, no. I was sitting on on in the living room, and I realized that I I saw the theater by me was showing it, and I ran into the bathroom and I said, "Hey, will you go?" November 3rd with me to go see a Godzilla movie in theaters. And he was like, uh, um, when is this? And I said, November 3rd, it's Godzilla's birthday. It's like three weeks away. He said, uh, sure. (laughs) I was like, thank you. You're awesome. Like, I'm so excited. It was like, I can tell. So, he and this will be his first Godzilla movie I've shown him. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond this, I've also shown him Tetsuo the Iron Man, uh, Juon, and uh, Juon the Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch in Matango. Mm-hmm. I actually just realized I've had him watch every podcast movie that we've talked about besides mm-hmm. Tetsuo the Iron Man and Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Interesting. Um, he fell asleep during Juwan. He fell asleep during Snake Girl. He fell asleep during Matango. So the only two, the only film he Damn. stayed awake through was Tetsuo the Iron Man. And afterwards, I wonder he's, why. Well, he, he was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> Can you explain this to me? I am so confused. So we'll see how he, he handles Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Mm. we'll see how it how he handles it but that's all i got um if you want to i guess we can head straight into our topic for the episode yes okay so (laughs) today or this week or this episode we're talking about the 1963 film matango aka attack of the mushroom people Directed by Ashiro Honda, written by uh, Takashi Kimura, right? Yes. And starring uh, a great stellar cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got... uh, Akira Kubo. Akira Kubo, who was in like Destroy All Monsters. Son of Godzilla. Son of Godzilla, Gorath. Mm -hmm. uh, Kumi Mizuno, who, you know... Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. You mean Master Monster? monster. Or, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Sorry, I was thinking of our other actors in this. 
uh, Astro Monster, uh, Godzilla Final Wars. Um, mm. You've got uh, yes, Yoshio yes. Tsuchiya, mm-hmm, who was Absolute in... Legend. Legend. Um, who was in Astro Monster and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster and a plethora of other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got uh, one of my personal favorite Showa actors. Uh, oh, my God. I see his name. Sahara or Koizumi? Koizumi. I love Hiroshi him. Koizumi. Hiroshi mm. Koizumi, who was in like Godzilla Tokyo SOS, Mothra, uh, Mothra mm. versus Godzilla, and like a good chunk of the Showa films. Oh, yeah. Him, Koizumi, Sushiya, and uh, Jun Tazaki are like some of my three favorite Toho regulars to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alongside like the obvious ones of like Takarada Rada and Sahara. And Rada. Oh, and yeah. Rada. yeah. And Sahara too. Yeah. Speaking and of which. Kenji Sahara is also in this film. Yes. Who holds uh, I bet he holds the record for like most like Toho Toku. I, I don't know. I'd have to check, but he is in a lot. He he is one of the most common regulars. I know he holds the record for most appearances in Godzilla films, mm. but like including the other Toho Tokusatsu works, I think he still is number one. Mm. If not, then he'd be number two. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So this is this is like the four. It, it's Toho's fifth human-sized monster film. Mm-hmm. Um, after, I mean, I, would you count half human? Is that, um, I, I don't know because that one's not human. That's actually like a different creature. Yeah. Cause you've I got, I wouldn't count that, but I also haven't seen it. So gotcha. You've got, um, Moriyoshi Oda's the Inv- invisible Avenger from 1954. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've got, uh, Jun Fukuda's uh, Secret of the Talesian. And H-Man. And no, Honda directed H-Man. Yeah, I know. But uh, H-Man came first. Okay, <laughs> yeah. You have, uh, but Honda also did The Human Vapor, did he not? I believe so. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then you have Ishiro Honda's The H-Man, The Human Vapor, and lastly, Matango. Mm-hmm. Um, Matango stands out out of all of these because it's the only one where it's not like invisible man influenced. Yeah. Um, which um, Daye also in the late forties and fifties was also doing, they did uh, the rainbow man. Um, the invisible man appears the invisible man versus the human fly. They would later yeah. do like the invisible swordsman, um, the invisible demon I think is another one they did. Uh so, you know, Invisible Man movies were kind of popular. Um, Toho would later go on and do, like, their Bloodthirsty trilogy. Um, they did Frankenstein. Uh, but Matango was the one that was, uh, to me, stands out the most because it's the most original out of their human-sized monsters. I mean, it also it also has that closer sort of link for a back for a lack of a better word um to uh 
to the more typical um, Honda films that people think of where it's got that a lot of that nuclear um, radiation um, message well, mixed in alongside a few other themes throughout the, the film. I'm pretty sure the H-Man is still very heavily... I mean, Honda includes... It, it probably is. I haven't seen H-Man, but Matango is a bit more visually correct. I disagree. I mean, are we talking it nearly about... got panned, so... Oh, true. But, like, the H-Man, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, it's all through radiation. Um, I'd, I'd have it, to I'd have it, to watch H-Man myself, really. It's been a long I've, time since I've seen the H-Man, but I'm pretty sure. I've been meaning... I've been, like, putting off watching it for, like, weeks now. I, I've keep, I keep meaning to, and, I'm, and I keep being like, I'm going to watch this tonight. I'm going to watch this tonight. And then I forget. <laughs> Yeah, so I just quickly checked and I was correct. Um, the H-Man is about the radiation from the hydrogen bomb, hence why his name's the H-Man. H is hydrogen. Um, turns him invisible or I turns see. him into this mist, and if people touch him, he dies or they die. I see. So I would argue that one's a little more like, like hitting it than Matongo, but I, I think suppose. what's interesting is Matongo also, like you mentioned, carries other themes and thoughts um, and leaving the high, the uh, radiate, like the H-bomb and radiation metaphors is kind of a sub background element. Yes, yes, exactly. So, I mean, I've watched this film before. Was this your first time watching it, Rex? Second. Second? Okay. This was my second, and I watched it a third time, too, um, for this podcast, for this recording. So I'm still relatively new to it um, as well. Mm-hmm. But watching this film, I couldn't help but notice how well the it was it looked. It was yes. very detailed. Mm-hmm. Very, at, very atmospheric too, mm-hmm. um, particularly with all that fog and the pretty at, at the at times intense lighting as well. That yeah, the the staging of this film is very different from most of Honda's films. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of moments where Honda doesn't do the extreme angles, but like when yeah. they're exploring the the ship, the shipwreck yes. ship. I couldn't help but notice the intense angles he was using. It was like, ooh. Mm. And then um, when the whole screen goes red when they go into the um, captain's room as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it I really appreciate it because H-Man's pretty tame from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a rare occurrence of where Honda doesn't feel like Honda. Mm-hmm. He feels well, like traditional kaiju Honda, I should say. It it feels more like something I would watch in like Quidon. Now it's not as artistically like vibrant and um, whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's it feels like a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 
And it definitely feels like notice tonally, it feels noticeably far removed from all but 54 in how just how dark it is in comparison to say like right. Dolgara, Ghidorah, Astro Monster. Um, I mean, I suppose Terror of Mac Godzilla was darker than say um, a lot of the other show era of Godzilla films, but. Even then, I'd argue Matango's a lot darker than Terra would ever dare to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. No, you're right. Um, and part of that is through the writing that uh, Kimura, mm. I think, produced for this yeah, film. because it was Kimura. His, his script is very, very, like, dark and cruel. Mm. I mean, from what I read, uh, I... I want to say this was a quote from Honda. This was from a quote from Honda, but I could be wrong. Um, typically, when Honda would want to go for a more lighthearted story, he would approach Sekizawa. Mm-hmm. But if he was going for something that was either more negative or politically driven, then he would go to Kimura. Right. Um, no. To write that's, the film. That that's how it was. Uh, pretty. It, that's how it worked with uh, Honda in these Toku movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Honda even uh, has went on to say that the script for Matongo was uh, Kimura's best, one of his finest works. Mm. I believe Kimura himself even said that. I and... I read that Kimura wasn't too happy. Uh, really? I, I'm pretty sure it was in the Peter Hayes Brothers book um, mm-hmm. where Honda like praised it and Kimura was like, eh. Because mm. I... Um, because I read a few sources. I want to say it was Steve Rifle's book that had this. I could be wrong. Where it was like Kimura said that he it was his favorite and that um, from Frankenstein versus Baragon onwards, that was sort of when he became like writer for hire for these films. Right. Because I, I want to say that was Rifle's book. I could be wrong. Because I um, know a little bit after Matongo, he did start. Uh, writing under a pseudonym because mm-hmm. he didn't want to be attached to these. He didn't like his name being on them. Mm-hmm. So Matongo, he, we can, I, he was at least proud of, we know that yeah. it's like his name's attached to it, but it's, I don't want to get into the characters too much, but like even how the characters are, it's just very, it's yeah. not a very deep film. But mm-hmm. it's very well developed, mm. and you can see Kimura's hatred for the way Japan was turning, and Honda yeah. also criticizing it um, based yeah. off of a recent event. Um, you know, obviously the film—well, not obviously. Maybe people don't know. It was based off of a book or a story by William Hope named A Voice in the Night, which mm-hmm. then was later adapted into Matango by Masami Fukushima, and then Takashi Kimura, you know, adapted that yeah. and wrote it for the wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Um, but prior to Matango coming out and being made, uh, there was an event where a bunch of teen a wealthy teenagers stole one of their parents' yachts and got lost in sea. And they mm. had to uh, had to be rescued. They had to be rescued. So 
I mean, not only that, there was also post Japan was more or less recovering both like politically, socially, and economically from World War Two. It was going into a sort of golden age because this was like right before the Olympics, wasn't it? Yes, it was two uh, one year before the Olympics, so they were really hyping that up. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of um like just people were sort of becoming wealthier. The younger generation was sort of um becoming more fascinated with like uh foreign culture as well. Um and foreign um luxuries which is sort of what Honda wanted Honda and Kimura I should say wanted to part of what they wanted to tackle within the script. Uh, right. There is another element of drug abuse that is mm-hmm. very prevalent and very, probably the most blatant. I would say the good. most explicit mm-hmm. um, theme in the film. Yeah. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out. Uh, so the film we just talked about, uh, The Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch, came out five years after Matango. Mm-hmm. Matango and like Kwaidan, one of my personal favorite J-horror films from 1965, Toho also uh, produced and distributed that. Um, those are very Japanese. Mm-hmm. And those were developed before and around the time that, you know, the Olympics happened. But those were done by seasoned directors. People yeah. like... Uh, Noraki Wasa, the director of the Bloodthirsty trilogy, their films are more inspired by that gothic horror. Um, Snake Girl with Silver Haired Witch felt like a Hammer movie. The Bloodthirsty trilogy is literally Christopher Lee Dracula, but Japanese. Um, so within 10 years of Matango, we were seeing this change of traditional Japanese horror into more traditional uh, English horror. Yeah. Sort of like a homogenization of sorts. Right. In a way, much like how Gojira or Godzilla was, you know, taking influence from like the beast from 20,000 fathoms, except this was in a more direct way as you know godzilla was still japanese through and through uh but like blood the bloodthirsty trilogy and snake girl and silver haired witch clearly feel more western at points than eastern yeah Uh, and of course you know that would change later we would get like uh house from 1977 uh the guinea pig franchise and horror would go through this development um, up until, you know, we would have Ring and Juon, which would reinvent the uh, the genre again, mm. uh, much like how at one point J-horror especially was based on Japanese folklore, snake girls, um, and then that fear of the Adam, you know, we had H-Man, Secret of Talesian, Matango, uh, you know, it's interesting to see the development here. And I think Matango is a great example of a 
very successful Japan, but before they allowed the outside cultures to influence their cinema, mm-hmm. which is what I think is one of the most interesting aspects of the film. It feels like a pre-developed J-horror film before the genre really became its own genre. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I kind of went on a ramble there. <laughs> so maybe we want to backtrack here. Uh, I mentioned how I loved the the details and like the sets. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the angles and like the lighting. the The production design of this film I thought was really. I mean, Honda before the film like pulled the cast and crew aside and said, "This is a serious film. This is like, I want it to be as good as possible." Yeah. Um, I mean, Honda had just come back from like sort of a small break of sorts from directing and was apparently very passionate about Matanga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, from what I read in the Ashiro Honda book uh, from Steve Rifle and Ed Gajazeski. Uh, around this time, Honda, you know, he was writing high off of having one of the most successful films in Japan being King Kong vs. Godzilla. Um, but he didn't want to just make Godzilla movies and he was wanting to do more. And, you know, he was, he had plenty of money. Um, I read that, I guess he would, he accidentally would like overpay his cab driver and not realize it. (laughs) And like, he, he just kind of, he was on cloud nine, like he was living his best life and he wanted to make Matongo and Tanaka approved it. He, Tanaka knew it might be a risk, but he was like, you've been producing so much good content. You mm-hmm. can have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then of course, after this, we wouldn't see Honda return to that. Um, even though I've read and seen that it's been gen- generally well liked, it from what I've been able to gather, initially the film did not receive the best of reviews. Yeah, it from what I understand, it did not appeal at all to mainstream Japanese, um, mainstream Japanese people, and particularly critics who um, did not enjoy the film and kind of got doomed more or less to obscurity in Japan for a while, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame because, you know, he did Gorath after this. And I, part of me wonders if because of Matongo's, um, because Matongo came out before Gorath, am I right? It was the Honda's film right before. Um, Wasn't Gorath 1962? Was Gorath 62? Yeah, it was. It was. It was? Okay. 62. Okay. So, like, in Gorath, he was forced by Tanaka to include Maguma. Um, then he had King Kong versus Godzilla, and then he did Atragon. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Atragon was after Matongo. I'm pretty sure yeah. Atragon was the Toho's uh, Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. So Matongo is kind of sandwiched. Yeah. Between, that was kind of celebrating um, the six, year 64, which was Year of the Dragon. dragon. In, yeah. in China, it was the Year of the Dragon, yes. So 
here you've got King Kong versus Godzilla. Then you have Gorath. And then Tanaka lets him go with Matango. And then he does Atragon, and then he does Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah. So Matongo is like this little little dip um, because it does utilize uh, kaiju techniques. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, Nakajima even played uh, one of the Matongo, the mushroom yeah. man, um, in the film. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's sad to see that Honda couldn't produce more stuff like this. Mm. Um, I think I think Matago would kill for more like straight up horror films from Mishiro Honda. Yeah, <laughs> and like have Kimura write them because it's a stark contrast to his traditional film. Oh, it absolutely is, particularly coming off particularly coming off the uh, King Kong vs Godzilla. <laughs> Right. Yeah, no, it's it's a complete 180. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly, I, I just checked this because I was genuinely curious. Um, yeah. I remember in the audio commentary track for Destroy All Monsters, they talked about how the cinematographer for that film, who had worked with Honda, liked to do really tight shots. Yeah. So I just went and I checked what uh, films... Uh, who did the cinematography for uh, Mongo? And it was uh, Hajime Koizumi. Correct. Who also did like the Mysterians, the H Man, mm. Varen, uh, Monkey Sun, Battle in Outer Space, The Human Vapor, Mothra, Gorath, King Kong versus Godzilla, Matongo, Atragon, Mothra versus Godzilla, Dogura, uh, Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster, Frankenstein versus Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, Ultra Q, but they were a director of special effects on that, and they also did episodes of Ultraman Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I'm noticing here is a lot of these films, uh, there's not a lot of the Godzilla films here. It's a lot of Honda's non Godzilla, minus, you know, King Kong versus Mothra. Ghidorah yeah. Monster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was. He definitely worked with Honda a lot. Obviously. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, didn't Honda work on? Did was it Ace? He wo- no. Honda no, he worked on, on Return, Return of Ultraman. Correct. Yeah, so. Um, which I'm pretty sure I I I want to say the cinematographer for that film or for that episode might have been the same that also did like destroy all monsters because I remember those episodes and I'm like, yeah, that's definitely a Shiro Honda. Like it looks like, <laughs> a film. Mm. Um, but a lot of these are, you know, pretty or not pretty, but some of a, a good majority of these are somewhat dark. Um, the Mysterians, the H man, Varen, yeah. uh, battle in outer space, human vapor, Gorath, Matongo, Atragon, uh, Dogara, Frankenstein. Atragon. Yeah, Atragon. Um, which I actually wanted to bring up. I think it's interesting uh, Honda did Atragon after Matongo because Atragon also is a very bleak film. Um, from what I remember, I haven't watched it in a little bit, but uh, Jin- Jinguchi, correct? The... Uh, 
captain of the Gotengo. Yeah. Uh, he is like what he kind of reminds me of Kimura. Like he hates, but more nationalistic, of course. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, from what I understand, Kimura was um, a member of the Japanese communist um, correct. party. Correct. He was. So it's interesting to like see Honda in 1963 without a Godzilla film being very uh, like dark, mm. not very exciting mm. um, right off the I heels mean, of King Kong versus too. I mean, I don't know. Gorath got pretty, ble- I would, I would argue Gorath is a bit more bleak than um, is. Yeah. I'd, I'd say Gorath is more bleak than Atragon. I mean, the whole first 10 minutes with Jun Tazaki, um, Jinguji from Atragon, um, he he probably delivers his best performance in any of like the films he worked with Honda on mm-hmm. in Gorath's first ten minutes, and I'd say Gorath itself is a bit more just bleak and hopeless. Uh, I'd say it's hopeful, but there's a lot of there's definitely a lot more bleak imagery. Um, Mm-hmm. Particularly when all the destruction happens near the end of the film, with the tsunamis and all that, gotcha. which is also some of the best looking um, destruction in uh, some of Eiji Tsuburaya's best destruction, I'd say as well. I see. I haven't seen Gorath yet, so you should that, watch it. I would like to. I would. <laughs> I would really like to. But that's fair. That's fair. Another thing I, I wonder for why Gorath, uh, not Gorath, Matongo is the way it is, is because of its rushed production. Mm. Because while they were filming it, they were also editing it. Mm. Uh, and I found out that production ended on July 28th, and the film came out in August. So there was, wow. I'm pretty sure there was about a month. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it finished shooting July 28th, and the film came out August 11th. One moment. <laughs> August 11th, so it had about two weeks to finish the film from shooting. And they shot it almost in order of how the film proceeds because mm. they wanted the actors to be able to it, Honda it, it, it's essentially a character study it's like Honda wanted the actors to get their characters and flow with them so they shot the film in chronological order for the most part just to have that um, they shot for I think it was about three months mm-hmm. um, about three months they shot and while they were shooting, and that's including the special effects sequences, which from what I've gathered, the actors also got to watch, they would be editing the film as well and finalizing it. Mm. So that is a very tight post-production. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked that it's Honda wanted something really tight. And I think part of it was the rushed aspect. Like everybody's like trying their hardest to do something remarkable. Mm. And they were working with new technology, the frontal projection system and the Oxbury. This was the first film that Honda, that was Toku related that Honda used them on. 
mm-hmm. and Super Raya. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, it was the first film they in general used it on, I believe. I I know it's at least one of the first. I didn't know if there was another Toho film that had utilized them prior. Um, mm. So I didn't want to be like... I mean, either way, it was brand new technology for right, them. Right, Given it was like one of... Was it one of two? Two. Disney had the other in the yeah, United Disney, States. Yeah, Yeah. And Toho had the other. Mm-hmm. So they're experimenting. They're trying to create this really tight knitted film and they're shooting this while editing. (laughs) It's like, how did you make this happen? Like what, what black magic? Another Megalon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you why it's because you had, uh, Honda directing and not Fukuda. True. True. Not digging Fukuda. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't land a, Fukuda. We don't slander Fukuda in this neighborhood. No, but Honda's more qualified than Fukuda. Mm-hmm. It's just facts. Fukuda is still absolutely a based man. He is. He is. He made some of the coolest kaiju films in cinema mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's really surprising how well it was made, and a lot of that comes from like. Subaraya and Nakano, because uh, Teriyoshi Nakano worked on this um, yeah. as well. He actually was the one that invented the effect of the mushrooms rising, which was using a prototype formula for styrofoam. So they're even using like unknown chemicals to like make it work. Like this whole film is an experiment. And I think it's really interesting because. The Matongo might be an experiment as well in the film. We don't know. So this it's really like it's just so interesting. Mm. And you know, this was Mizuno before her big break in Astro Monster. Mm-hmm. Um this I mean was... supposedly, even though the film um is generally generally was um became an obscure relic um, of everyone's filmography. Mizuno claims that, um, though there is some discrepancy on whether this is true, Mizuno does claim that the film, that this film is responsible for an American studio trying to get it to star in a a film with John Palestine, I want to say it was. Okay. There, There is some dispute as to whether that's actually true. Um, and if Mizuno was um, confusing it with another film, but either way, the film was cancelled. So, right, yeah, and like even uh, Kirakubo mentioned that like there would be military personnel that's like, oh, you're from Matango. Um, I mean, it's obvious the film and the film did do really well overseas. Mm. Um, one thing I noticed at the end while uh, our two main characters, our love interests, are hiding in the, the shipwreck. Have you ever seen John Carpenter's The Fog? I have not, sadly. Okay. So priority. that film is about this fog that rolls into this town. Yeah. And the ship appears out in the ocean. And then they find out there's a curse and now the dead uh, shipmates of that boat are haunting the town and they're going around and they're killing people 
and the imagery in the film in Matongo, specifically when the mushroom people are breaking down the windows and the doors is very similar to how the fog sh- crew uh, shipmates break down the windows of the church and the old lady's house in the film. Mm. And I couldn't help but think I was like fog shipwreck really <laughs> weird looking people who are from the sea breaking down doors. I was like, this had to inspire people like John Carpenter had to have been inspired by this film in some manner. I mean, it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be surprising at all given Carpenter's pretty well-known uh, respect for Ishiro Honda's filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to hear, like, I really just want to hear John Carpenter talk about Matango because I feel like, there could be some interesting stuff he could say about how that film influenced him. Um, I mean, there was even uh, a possible American remake of this film uh, yeah. by the director of Magic Mike, of all people. Um, but apparently the Toho couldn't agree with the U.S. Uh, producer studio to uh, make the film happen. And Toho was going to remake the film in the nineties, making it, uh, so the Matanga were from outer space, but the film just never materialized though. There is a fan made sequel and a sequel novel, uh, that you can buy on Amazon. Cause I looked for it. It's available. Good to know. It sounds from what everybody has said, looking past just the international appeal, the, cast and crew of this film did love what they were working on. Akira Kubo highly talks about the film. Um, everybody that is a part of this production really mentions how well they liked Matongo, especially when you realize that this was a very tightly knit crew. Like they were working with each other on a very rushed schedule, but they were working really well. Um, I read in the Honda book that there was no there's really never any accidents and Honda was a really flexible director to help create what help create what would be proper for the film to like flow. Honda was willing to like work with his actors to like create the characters so they would flow even better. And it just, it really surprises me like how, how well received this film was within its own crew. So a lot of people mentioned that uh, they weren't sold on the designs. They thought they looked silly, um, but they still went with it. And, you know, I will agree the Matango don't look that horrifying besides the, the man, the actual man, not the mushroom people. I think the half transformed ones um, are probably more effective, but I don't care really. I still love like the full, the full mushroom men. You know. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it's iconic. Um, but you know, I think for the time, it's a pretty, pretty effective film. Um, and I think, I, I think Honda's commentary, particularly on, uh, not only the spoiled rich brats that most of the characters essentially are, but also just how 
crippling drug addiction is. I find all that really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm happy you brought that because I I failed to mention throughout this how I loved the fact that none of these characters are really protagonists until like the last until Akira Kubo becomes the protagonist at the very right. end. Right. Yeah, exactly. And even then at the end he's like, I should have just stayed there. Yeah. And he brings up um there was two sh- uh, versions of the ending shot. There was one where he was a regular human being, and there was one where he turned yeah. into. And I agree with Akira Kubo. They should have kept the original where he was just a human. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that makes his character a little less dislikable because it's like you went through this whole thing and you still ate the mushrooms. Like you're a horrible human being. Like I don't know the thing. The thing with that is you. You got the like the obvious interpretation that um oh um akira kubo's character you know gave in to the pressure and decided to eat them eat some mushrooms at the very end of the movie but then you also but then i also kind of interpreted it more as like sort of like secondhand smoking where you aren't you know secondhand smoking you are not the one smoking you're just around everyone who is and you're yeah you're just around it and you know the smoke from a cigarette invades your body and does have some effects of it on it you know um so that's sort of how i took this ending uh particularly given you know he's not fully transformed he's not even as far transformed as some of the other characters get um, only a bit of his face has been transformed so far. Sure. But doesn't that also, and I guess there's always this uh, potential possibility. It seems like the mushroom invades the brain too. Mm-hmm. And like makes you yeah. act and say different th- things. Oh, yeah, so yeah, maybe- no, Definitely. It's pretty, it, it's very similar to say hallucinogens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, okay, hear me out. Maybe he is crazy and it's not like, it's a whole Joker aspect. Like it's actually all in his head. I mean, it could be the, the entire, the way the story is told, it is his recollection of the events. So right. given it's all his flashbacks. I just thought, Ooh, that's, that's would be an interesting twist. <laughs> Like, it's all in his head. Like, none of it actually happened. Like, some real Godzilla's Revenge stuff here. I think that would even work better um, with that alternate ending you brought up where he had no, didn't have any of the makeup on and he just looked normal like everyone else. But also, did that... Uh, speaking real quick, I, I just thought about this. Does mm. this mean that while he was telling the story looking out at Tokyo, the mushrooms grew on him? Maybe. I, I noticed that he didn't seem to have the mushrooms at the very in the first uh-uh. scene. He didn't. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of weird stuff with the ending. It it leaves it up to an interpretation. I guess now there's three. It's like you're screwed no matter what. He succumbed to 
the harsh reality of none of our characters are actually good people mm-hmm. or it's all in his head and he's actually crazy. And maybe it's because he did tr- take drugs, mm-hmm. you know? True. So True. that's, uh, there's some interesting stuff to be said there, mm. uh, to be interpreted, mm. um, which for the most part, a lot of Honda's films, try to not do that they try to have a clear like 54 is obvious if another bomb happens another godzilla will come yeah bombs are um you know in mothra versus godzilla it's uh greed and capitalism greed and capitalism like that's that's and then they get their comeuppance at the very end or not even at the very end Mm -hmm. so like the fact that matongo has all of these different ideas, and it's not even like a poor script. It's not like uh, King of the Monsters 2019, <laughs> where they're trying to support nature has an order, but then they have to say, well, man can interfere and help save the planet by using nukes, but mm-hmm. then also have the anti-nuclear metaphor. Like, there's a lot of... Like, that, that film has so many back-and-forth narratives and, like, messages and metaphors that it doesn't it's convoluted yeah whereas here in matongo there's a ton of ideas and they all make sense they're not fighting with each other i mean it's a much more focused script than king of the monsters which is even even taken for what merits it does have is pretty all over the place right this is true this is true um but before we, because I mean, now we've we've really talked about the characters and we've talked about the J horror part. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I wanted to bring up the sets again. I love yeah. the sets in this film. I know there were some complaints that they didn't match perfectly with the on location shooting. Yeah, but I don't know. I still like it. Didn't it. I it didn't it bother me. Like. Yeah. Frankly, there are far more egregious examples of that in movies. Right. So really it I didn't pick up on it. I I can kind of see it thinking back, but like it really doesn't bother me. Yeah. It, it never really bothered me in the film either. Like I thought the sets looked so good. I love the detail. I love the the paint and the color in those in their sets is really good. Um, it looks disgusting. Oh yeah, like, the ship especially. Yeah. Um, and then like the Matongo man is unsettling. It's not nice to look at. Um, the first scene with the Matongo man as well when he's on when he's on the ship is really really good, really suspenseful. Mm-hmm. I agree. And part of that I also – and this this segues into kind of my last thing I wanted to bring up, which was the sound design. Mm. I The film's kind of empty, but it uses that emptiness to like create more. Does that yeah. make sense? It's not in your face about things. Right. It's not like your traditional Ifukube bombastic – yeah, in your face or your Sato, mm. uh, in your face score. It's it's a lot oh, more. Yeah. Like- the, the score is a lot um, 
for a lack of a better term, smaller. Whereas mm-hmm. if the Kube scores are typically grandiose, mm-hmm. um, although I will say if the Kube does have some good um, tense music and Mysterians, to be fair. This is true. This is true. Um, but like the Matango laugh, which I'm yes. more, I'm more uh, familiar with it as the Boltons. As the Boltons laugh. Yeah, same. It's so, it's such a great sound effect. It is. It's it's unnerving, and it's over. And in the sequence um, near the end, it is overwhelming, really. Mm-hmm. And you could genuinely feel like you're going crazy. As, oh yeah, yeah. And that's during that whole final sequence. I'm like, yeah, I'd be like tripping out too. Like this is. Oh, and- in, Wild. Just picturing being in that actual situation, that that would be absolutely terrifying. Being that overwhelmed by these these deformed monsters who are massive in comparison to you as well. You know, like even the even the half transformed ones are played by some decently tall actors, at least compared to like Akira Kubo. Right, and, and like it's a very claustrophobic set too. Like yes. there's not a lot you can do in that set, and it just it just adds to it. Mm. I mean, when he's on the ship, um, getting attacked by the half transformed ones, he's he's got one door and like two small um, windows. windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. He it is very damn claustrophobic, and mm-hmm. then at the end when he's surrounded by them all, he's. He's in the middle of their, basically their nest of sorts. <laughs> right. And one thing I, I will say, um, you brought up the, the ship and I just thought about this. Um, and you, we've been talking about claustrophobic. There's another film that does this, that if I, let me, let me describe to you this film. Mm-hmm. A crew on a ship. Oh. On a on a craft. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> winds up on a mysterious, uh, winds up in a mysterious location where yep. a mysterious other craft yep. is wrecked. <laughs> and they go in to investigate and they discover some weird parasitic thing. Hmm. And Would eventually, to be a Ridley Scott film, it might be. Oh. But my what I was what I just kind of realized is it kind of follows that that similar trope there in those regards, um, to to your like alien, yeah. And in, in some cases, I'd say both are very similar. Um, I no mean, the general of Matanga. <laughs> in the general premise, I think it's it's there. It's not the exact same by any means, mm. but it's you. The comparison could be made, I think. Mm. But overall, I I must say though, as we've been analyzing, I'm not a huge fan of Matango. Damn, really? Um, I've been keeping my opinion. Uh, quiet because I just I wanted to actually analyze it and now we're kind of 
at least to me, I'm getting into more of my analytical or not my analytical, my critical view. I find the film a little boring. Um, there's a lot of, it's very fast. Not a lot hop happens. Um, and like, I'm fine with not a lot happening, but I like, I very much prefer house or mm -hmm. quite on, um, even uh, one of the bloodthirsty films, I think I would prefer over Matango. Um, I don't think it's a horrible film by any means. I mean, I just sat here for the last like hour talking about the film analytically. But that being said, I just don't find it as entertaining as other films. I I, I even found uh, the Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch more unsettling than Matango. Um, Matango has its moments. Whenever uh, I think it's Yoshio uh, Yoshio Tsuchiya, uh when he finally eats the mushroom, and we have that whole like. Uh, sequence where he's like dreaming mm -hmm. that I was started to, I, when I watched that for the second time, I was like, okay, now we're getting a little like experimental and psychedelic, but it kind of, I mean, the, that aspect continued on with like the, when Akira Kubo goes to rescue his girlfriend and, you know, it doesn't work out. But I don't know. It just when I compare to J horror films of the time, I think I much prefer like quite on. I, I love that film. I don't know why it's very long and very quiet and very boring, but I think it is a lot more interesting than your typical, uh, than like Matango. I need to find a good, like a good night to watch um, Quite On. I, really I, I, I love it. I, I, I don't, heard I, its praise sung a lot, not just by you, but a lot. So, And it even features an appearance by a uh, Godzilla actor. Uh, uh, duh, duh, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Him, like, I talk about him. The greatest actor in the world. Uh, uh, Takashi Shimura. He uh, he has a part in the film, but I. That is a grand example of I think. Slow burn horror, for Japanese horror especially, um. I don't think Matango's bad, but I don't think it's. I, I would I probably will watch most of Honda's other films before I'll rewatch Matango again. Mm. You see, for me, um, on my first watch, I absolutely adored Matango. Um, mind you, it was not my first um, non-Godzilla movie from Honda. It was probably like my fourth or fifth, I think. 
Um, cause I'd had, I'd seen Rodan and Mofra and one or two others beforehand. Um, but this, but as, yeah, no, as a film, I really enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much this time. I, I think this film is a bit more geared to your, it, it's a bit more enjoyable on the first watch when you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Rather than to just, it's definitely not one to just rewatch over and over and over again. I'd say, um, sure. But I still really like it, and it's probably at the moment my favorite J horror film. Granted, I do I do need to rewatch House. Actually, mm-hmm. you'd consider Tetsuo J horror, wouldn't you? So, yeah, I guess. Mm, I don't know. If if that could be considered horror, then I'd... Mm. It's body horror. I know that for a fact. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. So, and, I would... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, that's probably the only thing that I'd say from the Japanese horror that I've seen that I would say I like more than Matango. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I do need a rewatch house. Yeah. Now I was going to hold off until next week's episode uh, to ask this question, but I might as well ask you now and then we can fill in uh, with the next film when I bring this up again. So for this spooky season, we've talked about now three films. Mm-hmm. Where how would you rank the three films we've watched? So we've watched Jew on the Grudge, The Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch, and Matongo. What's the best? What's the second best? What's the third best? Well, I've already spoiled what the first would be. Um, so obviously Matongo. Um, I just I really love Ishiro Honda's filmmaking. <laughs> so that's an easy number one spot for me. Um, but the second is actually a pretty hard choice because I like, I really do like both Juwan and um, Snake Girl. Mm-hmm. But I'm probably going to say Snake Girl. I like more purely because I think, even though I think Juwan at times is absolutely brilliant, um, and Kayako and Toshio can't forget him, are iconic characters for very good reason. I I do think the film is a bit too uneven at the end. It goes on for too long, and the last act is... That last section just is a bit too contrived. Whereas Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch kept me pretty consistently entertained throughout the whole movie. And I thought the writing was pretty consistent throughout as well. I couldn't disagree with you more. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Okay. So here's why you're wrong. (laughs) For me, number one. For number one, Jew on the Grudge. Jew on the Grudge is horrifying. 
And like, <laughs> it is the only film that I have sat and legitimately gotten freaked out over. Like my friend, the other night we were going to go for a little drive and it's like two in the morning. We're going from his apartment, which I realized looks a lot like the Juon house. Like when you and he, he lives in this uh, two story house that's used for apartments. When you walk in, there's a staircase that's very tight that goes up. And then mm. there's a oh, hallway a staircase that, goes, that goes up. That's crazy. And there's a <laughs> narrow hallway that goes straight to like a living room. And when you go up, you can go to the right and there's a room there and there's a hallway that goes back. It's like really I'll I'll have to send you a video, but it's really like structurally similar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just realized your house is like the one from Juon. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, the girl's gonna start coming out. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, making a horrifying noise. And then we got outside and he started making the <laughs> and like I just get chills every time. Every time. Like it freaks me out. Stop. I just I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. There's something about Kayako that scares me. I will mute you. <laughs> and like it's horrifying. So like that's my number one easily. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. Next, next. I will say it is difficult. It is difficult because Matango is very thought provoking and very deep in metaphors and messages and interpretations. Whereas Mm -hmm. Snake Girl is like a nice gothic horror film with a Japanese twist. Yeah. That being said, however, I have seen the Bloodthirsty trilogy and I have seen better gothic horror with Japanese twists Mm -hmm. in like the evil of Dracula. So I think for my number two, I would put Matango because I like, I do genuinely like the script and I think it's a decent film. It's not my favorite film, but I think it's decent. And then I would put snake girl and the silver haired, which is last just because I have seen better Gothic J horror. But I don't think any of these are bad. I was genuinely surprised by the Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch. Matango Matango is a solid Honda film. And it's got everything you need to prove that it's a Honda film. And then you've got Juon, which to me is a horrifying movie. Like even upon rewatch, I am horrified by that film. And that is like the perfect example of a horror movie to me because i do not get scared by horror Mm -hmm. did i say that it was the perfect horror movie i did in the recording i said it it kind of falls into the perfect horror movie (laughs) so that's my current ranking now ironic considering that was probably the one we complained most about in the recording yeah yeah (laughs) this is true this is true um now next week it's the last week of spooky season. Ooh. Um oh no, spooky season's almost over. I know, right? Even though we oh. are recording these like so far in advance. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> um 
but yeah, October is has came and gone, and definitely. <laughs> and maybe I've gone and done some spoopy stuff. I hope I have. I did have a Halloween party I was supposed to go to. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> but we we deliberately set up this schedule to kind of sandwich some stuff. Yeah. And I honestly, with how Snake Girl ended up being, I think we made a amazing slate. Like this was solid. Like this was a solid month. I was I was skeptical on Snake Girl at first, but goddamn, that ended up being a really good choice. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy that I recommended it and we went with it mm-hmm. because I had no idea what I was getting into, and I'm. <laughs> I'm not upset with uh, – that's why I said first best, second best, and third best because I don't think there's a bad film we've talked oh, yeah. about. Yeah, no. I think all of these are actually quite good films. They're, they're all going for something uh, very different too. And for people listening, if you haven't got into Japanese uh, horror tokusatsu – It's a period it is superior, and honestly, like, check out the films that we're covering. Mm. These are all like, Matango is a great entryway for Showa. Uh, Snake Girl is a great entryway for Gothic horror. Mm. Juwan is a great entryway for modern. Juwan is just a straight up classic, uh, it, like it a is. modern classic. Um, and the next film that we're going to be covering, it's like. Uh, I don't. I don't want to give it away. I really don't want to give it away. One of the most iconic of the genre. It's, it's iconic, but it, like, check these out. If you've been listening to us talk about them, check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little disappointed because we have we've spoiled like all of these films. We've talked like them to <laughs> death. Mm. I mean, we didn't go too crazy into the plot of um, Snake Girl, so... This is true. This is true. Um, but, like, check them out. They're, they're solid, and, you know, there's, there's still a plethora of horror that we haven't even touched yet. Mm. Uh, no and we've already... House? Um, like, versus... Uh, Evil Dead Trap. Um, all of these are like great other horror films that we haven't covered yet. Hmm. Um, and they're very unique to what you will typically see out of this genre if you're more um, experienced with Western-style horror as well. Right, exactly. Um and we've already we're we're already planning next mo- next year's spoopy season. Um, it's a little different, but I think it'll be it'll be a treat. It's going to be a treat. Um, but I've enjoyed this, and honestly, this kind of makes me wish we could do weekly podcasts because, like, it's it's been kind of fun to mm-hmm. every week sit down and talk about this stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Rex is secretly like, oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the recording part. Yeah, the recording part's fun. It's just the whole editing process that's like, mm-mm, nah, I'm good. <laughs> let's, let's, we'll talk about two uh, every two weeks before we talk about every week, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think this is a good place to go ahead and wrap up uh, for this episode. In the next episode, we can conclude uh, our quadrilogy quadrilogy of horror films for the year. And then we've got next month, and then we're just going to keep – we're going to keep cranking them out, baby. Yes. So uh, I'm excited for where the podcast is going. I'm, I'm genuinely happy with where we're going. Mm. Uh, as long as like life doesn't throw us a curveball, I think Re- – and I don't want to speak for Rex, so if Rex wants to step in here and correct me for a second, he can. But I genuinely think we are starting to get our uh, proper footing. With the podcast. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. So just stay tuned, guys. Just hang in with us. Uh, Someday, soon enough, we'll get back to the every two week schedule. Yeah. And maybe ev- maybe we'll ev- end up doing weekly one day again. That's like, possible. It's very don't possible. Know. It is. I mean, this Life month is, is full proof. of mysteries. This month is a proof that, like, we can. We it can, is. We can do it. It's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've had no troubles at all whatsoever. <laughs> none. None. You. None for nobody, this recording in particular. Yeah, nobody knows that there was an hour gap between. Part of the <laughs> you know what? And if that's left in and you're like, there is an hour gap, I oh, dare you to in. tell me where. I dare you to <laughs> send a message and be like, it was right here. This is when you guys stopped recording and started recording. Yeah, again. right. So there you go. There's your challenge. Find out where we stopped our recording. If, if, if you want a hint, guys, listen to how tired he sounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. They'll go like, I'm so happy in this. Like, uh, yeah, I'm here now. What's up, dudes? Hey, I'm Rex, like at the beginning of the recording. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, enough of us bantering because obviously people don't want to hear us banter, even though that's <laughs> kind of what we do. Mm hmm. Yeah, we're annoying a-holes. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just an objectively right person. Uh, 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 uh. If, if that's what you want to say. Um, I am. Sure, sure. Real we'll let decide that. Real Japanese horror fans appreciate Juon and don't put them last on their top three. It's good. It's good. It's great. It's good. It's horrifying. Eh. I don't find it that scary. I can't sleep. 
Kayako. Well, that's your problem, frankly. I won this argument. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you. Ooh, getting defensive. No, I'm not getting defensive. You're <laughs> getting defensive. But before we carry on too long, I think it is now time for us to do our little links. Yes. So, Rex, why don't you tell the lovely individual listening to us? Where they can find you at and mm. what you do. Well, my dear viewers, you can find me um, on YouTube, Rexino, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and last but certainly not least, on Instagram at Rex underscore Xeno. Oh, and how could I forget? I also write for a little news site called the Tokusatsu Network. Uh, so check that out if you want. Uh, you know, if you want to be stay up to date with the world of Tokusatsu. Definitely check those out. And you can find me on Twitter at ET13Productions, on YouTube at ET13Productions, and on Instagram at ET13Productions. If you want to find my personal stuff, go for it. I dare you. You can probably find it. It's apparently not that hard. I should know because some people have found it and... They're an interesting group and an an interesting person. Interesting. I'm going to have to ask you about this later. You will. You're going to laugh your butt off. I swear, you're going to just laugh and laugh and laugh. (laughs) But as for the podcast, oh, how could I forget? I also write (laughs) IG Robin Media, uh, a quarterly magazine and website where the a kaiju community has gathered to create the ultimate magazine. I uh, have written an article on King Kong versus Godzilla, Takashi Miike's Zebra Man, the Daimajin trilogy, uh, and uh, an article on the Hindi kaiju film Gogola, uh, among other topics. And I'm actually writing a few more articles for them. I'm one of their regular uh, writers. I write for both the website and the magazine. So definitely check that out. You can find them at kaijuramenmedia.com. There's also their Twitter at kaiju underscore ramen. But as for the podcast, recently we were review bombed on Apple Podcasts. So we are sitting right now at a three-star rating, which... I mean, I know I'm annoying, and I know Rex is objectively wrong, but I don't think we're worth it. Right. No. <laughs> so, if you guys could, please rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people like you. Give us a five-star so we can bump that three-star up to a five-star. If you don't have an Apple device and listen to us through something like Spotify, you can review us on Spotify now with a new update. So, Give us a five-star review there. Or if you want to just give us some feedback or message us, you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and contact us that way. If you're like me before podcasting and don't have any social media, lucky you. 
You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we will read your reviews on air for everybody to hear. If you want to send us some mailbag questions, I just stole that from Kaiju Weekly. We don't have a mailbag, but if you just want to send us some stuff, go for it. Uh, recently, we had a member of our Discord server, Jurgen. He sent us a response to our Cloverfield episode, and we read it out and talked about it for a little bit. So feel free to do that. We love having that fan interaction. We also have merchandise on our Teespring store. It's just our logo on a bunch of different things. Maybe eventually we'll have some exclusive art on there from our own artist. Uh, it's all up in the air, but just hang out and maybe eventually we'll get something going there. If you'd like to chat with me or Rex one-on-one -on -one and hear our opinions on different subjects, you can join our Discord server where you can talk to us and other people just like you. Looking right now on our uh, Discord server in our general chat, it looks like the most recent conversation was on Common Writer, specifically the original 1971 series. So we have tons of different topics on Tokusatsu and Kaiju in the server. So definitely check it out if you're interested. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload. Uh, just tonight, I got almost all of our episodes set up, so we were going to we're going to finally have them posting on our YouTube channel. We oh, also, hallelujah! I know, right? Uh, we were like twenty episodes behind. So, oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of a, a project to get done but we also upload uh sometimes bonus little rants i know there's a video game uh segment that was before our snake girl episode that we had a discussion about and we recorded it and rex has cut it and we're going to upload it as its own little like discussion little talk kaiju talk i don't know um, we also have bloopers on there and you know just fun little things uh, going on that you guys can check out to get a little more content from us. We have an exclusive interview with Ready Player One and Godzilla vs. Kong Mecha Godzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Probably not. Um, probably not. But that's really cool. Definitely check that out. And as always, a huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes, especially this one. It's uh, <laughs> be a doozy so yes definitely check out all of his stuff it can be found in the link tree link below and that will do it for us here at kaiju conversation this week and i can't wait to see you guys for next week's episode and our final spooky episode of the year <laughs> what could it be stay tuned and find out You'll find out during the next episode as we won't reveal it, right? We never reveal anything before before the episode even starts. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. And remember, <laughs> life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Ciao.